0: Welcome in to episode eight of Night Shift and what a weekend it was that we have to go over here on the show. Uh, We are now streaming on multiple services including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Very, very exciting stuff. Mike Stubbs, Kyle Grimard, your host as always at Stubbs 980 and at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. And you know, there's a there's a lot of positivity now going on with this team, Mike. You know, they've won now four of their last five games. They took four of a possible six points in a three uh three game span over three days and you know, could they potentially be finding their identity. Second year guys Ben Bujold and Jackson Edward, we're going to discuss them a little bit later on, but you know, Mike, it ended on a really good note Saturday night with a 5-4 to four victory over the Sudbury Wolves. And, you know, London has really, really found their game, I feel. And I think this three-game stretch really showed what London is as a team now. Sports is under a bigger
1: microscope than maybe it's ever been under before with social media. I mean, you watch the Toronto Maple Leafs and their fans absolutely melt after a loss to the Anaheim Ducks in overtime their record is 4-4 four, four, and 2 people are calling for the coach to be fired people are calling for trades to happen last year the leafs started the year 4-4 four, four, and 1 and oh they set gosh. a record for their franchise for most points in a season they had they had a player who ended up scoring more than 60 goals we put everything under such a microscope and when one thing doesn't go right you know, yeah, analyze it to death, which is fun. You know, it is a lot of fun, but the highs and the lows, we should always go back to Grant Fuhrer. Everybody should carry around a little something from Grant Fuhr or Rob Thompson, the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies lives life this way. And while it isn't necessarily as, as exciting and, and as fun and as dramatic to live this way, sometimes we need an injection of this and it's, Don't let yourself get too high. Don't let yourself get too low. And the Knights coaching staff lives by it. They've seen this sort of thing, and it just does take time. The Knights had to replace a lot of goals from last year. And when you break down a major junior season, the first few weeks are all about Offense, And then as teams really begin to get a hold of playing defense, young players learn the pace, they get to practice for a month, things do change. And yeah, I think this was the Knights team from the start. Are they going to blow teams out this year? I don't think so. But are they going to win games? Yes. They're going to win games. This is a good roster, and it's got a lot of young, maturing players. And we saw a couple of elements of, hey, offense can come from absolutely anywhere and everywhere. That's how the Windsor Spitfires are doing it right now. And the Spitfires are battling for top spot in the Western Conference. They scored 11 goals in a game this weekend, and only two players on that team failed to pick up a point. And nobody had more than three. So they're doing it by committee. You have to do it this way in sports anymore. And getting the contributions that they did, if we go back to Friday night, Ben Bajol, Jackson Edward, Edward gets his first goal, he gets his second goal on Saturday. Ethan McKinnon scores a goal. These are players who you're not counting on to score you goals. But when
0: they're chipping in, you can't help but have good things happen. Well, and you know, just just to put it in perspective too, a team I looked at last year in the national level, went on to win the Stanley Cup, was a Colorado Avalanche. And yeah, they have Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landis Cog, but they had Nazem Kadri, They had Valerie Nachuchkin. They had uh, Sam Gerrard on the back end. They had all kinds of depth forward scoring, uh, big goals in big moments. And, you know, as much as it was, you know, those star players that really got a lot of the attention, there was a lot of secondary help. Andre Burakovsky is another one who ended up finding his way out of Colorado. He is now in Seattle, but he was a big part of that Stanley Cup run. So it's as as great as it is having those star players And, and London had them last year and Luke Evangelista and Antonio Stranges, I think, The difference from what we saw last year to this year is, you know, there was a lot depending and riding on those two guys carrying that night's team. And they had, you know, Sean McGurn, who had a really nice season last year, and they had some other guys. But, you know, it's almost forced London this year to go, Okay, we don't have that one or two guys that can just here's the puck, go do something special. So now it is by team committee. It's everybody pulling the rope at once and. You can have those leaders. George Diaco right now is having a fantastic start with the Knights. He's got 13 points through 10 games. Eight of them are goals. By the way, Saturday night, his uh, his goal in the in, uh, in that game was his 100th point in the Ontario Hockey League. Working
1: into the right corner, pass finds McHugh. Back out to Mayu. Walks in top of the right circle. Pass behind him for Oliver Bonk. Over to Diaco. He walks in. Fire
0: scores! George Diaco. And the London Knights make it one to nothing. You're allowed to have players like that that, that that can step up and and lead your team. But having those other guys to rely upon and have a committee with you, just it really balances out your team and just goes to show it's not just one guy moving forward for them. That makes you tough to deal with. If you can be rolling
1: lines, that makes you tough to deal with because you've got to have an answer For just about anybody. Denver Barkey now point-per-game player. Sean McGurn better than a point-per-game. And you said it, George Diaco has eight goals. Two of them were scored with Hamilton, but eight goals. He's got 100 career points, especially when you factor in COVID-19. That's a big accomplishment. And I think that sort of confidence is there. When the Knights weren't scoring in the first three games of the season, that confidence wasn't there. But you work through it, and now they're creating a lot of space using that offense – from the defense, and we can look at how many goals were scored from either the point or on plays that were set up from the point. You can have a glass half-full and a glass half-empty. So let's look at glass half-empty for the London Knights this weekend. You could say, well, they were three games. They lost one of them, and all of them were only decided by a goal. Or you can look at it, and this was their first stretch in a glass half-full that they had three games and three nights, And you could easily say if they didn't have two five-on-three power plays against North Bay, they might have gone three-for-three. So that right there is, you know, your pick. You want to be glass-half-full? You want to be glass-half-empty? But I like the look of the glass-half-full in that. I think this team comes away with a lot of good lessons from this weekend. They took on teams, Kyle, that had big size Sudbury had big size for the third game and three nights to have to go up against some of those forwards. Kieran Walton is big and he leads the way for Sudbury. North Bay has some big guys and they were able to handle them and I think that in itself was a big learning point for the Knights.
0: Well, and then, you know, it also all started on the road on Thursday against Niagara going into their barn on a Thursday and coming out with a three to two overtime victory that basically kickstarted the three and three. And and that's when you when you start the three game and three game stretch with a win, it gives you that little extra confidence, too. It's funny. So I talked with George Diaco after the 5-4 win, and he talked about the importance of getting four of six points and winning two of your three games, you know, that's Kind of, you know, not a, a benchmark, but I think every coaching staff will tell you, especially in the Ontario Hockey League, if you can come out in a weekend where you play three games in three days and you pick up two of three victories, that's that's a pretty good weekend. There is a lot of parity in this league and a lot of teams. You can lose a lot of ground in those three-game stretches. So coming away with multiple points and multiple wins, I think is, is a really good point for this Knights team early on in the season as well. When you consider, Mike, that, the beginning of the season, the Knights started 1-4-1. and one. We were just talking about it, how the microcosm of sports, how everything is just so analyzed and broken down. And yeah, the Knights did not get off to the best start, but now they've won four of their last five. They've climbed back to 500. They're third in the Midwest division, seventh in the Western Conference. And they're just three points back of Flint right now. There's... There's a, there's a big turnaround with this team. And I think it all got broken down a little bit too much because it happened right out of the gate.
1: Absolutely. And that's always because fans are paying a lot of attention and, and thinking, okay, what's going to happen right out of the gate? So sure, your start is analyzed, but I still look at the Maple Leafs. I don't believe the Maple Leafs are going to have a bad season. Their fans seem really concerned about this. But 4-4-2 four, four and two right now, 4-4-1 four, four and one last year, those are really, really similar records. And so, no, nothing nothing really to worry about. And now the Knights go into a difficult weekend because they take on the Erie Otters on Friday night. Erie beat Kitchener. Erie's picking up wins. Erie played really well over three games in three days. And their third period against Kitchener was much like London's third period against Sudbury, where for whatever reason, the team that should be more tired comes out and gets stuff done in the third period. And the number of times that happens, you would think, man, you know, you're, you're playing three games and three nights. Your body is done. Concentrating is tough. You're mentally fatigued, but you find it. And that's a good sign. It's a good sign for Erie. It's a good sign for the London Knights. And now they go head-to-head. And then the Knights have to go back to Owen Sound, where they did suffer a 7-2 loss. And they have an opportunity to try and turn that around. One of the things that we kept seeing, Kyle, over the weekend was these little bursts of goals, which was Absolutely wild goals scored in quick succession in the London Sudbury game on Saturday night. You had Sudbury scoring three goals in just over three minutes. You had the Knights who came back and tied it on two goals in seven seconds. Crazy things. And I don't know what it is, but we can always, for some reason, go back in history. And Sudbury and London games are a little, you know, a little memorable because Sudbury was the team that ended the Knights unbeaten streak. But if we go looking for goals in quick succession, the Knights and the Sudbury wolves were a part of a game. Now it went Sudbury's favor, but one of the craziest things that we've ever seen in junior hockey in the Ontario hockey league. And of course you have to go back to one of the craziest seasons in Knights history to find it. We want to take a trip back in time. Let's do it. Okay. Let's go back in time to 1995, 1996.
0: Do you want me to age myself here? 95, 96. I would have been three. <laughs> so, there's your, there's well, where I was at at that time frame then you probably weren't awake. You'd probably
1: (laughs) gone to bed by the time the third period rolled around in a game between the London Knights and the Sudbury Wolves. Now, of course, this is the very famous season where the Knights only won three games. But the wild part about this was that this was very nearly London's fourth victory on the season. So it actually happened a little later in the season. It was February the 16th. At this point in the season, February 18th, think about this. The Knights had only won two games, and they had only tied two games. They would beat Windsor in London on March the 1st, and they would pick up a tie later, and that was that. That was their year, three sixty and 3 So the teams come into the third period and they're tied 2-2, but the Knights score, Stephen Lowe gets back-to-back goals, and the Knights are all of a sudden up 4-2. Richard Petiri scores shorthanded, and that makes it 5-2. Six minutes and one second shows on the clock at then the London Ice House. So there's six minutes and one second that you have to kill. That's it. And you will get your third victory of the season at that point. All of a sudden, Sudbury scores, and they make it 5-3. to This happens with 4 minutes and 59 seconds left. 22 seconds after that, the Wolves score again. 13 seconds after that, a guy who would play for the London Knights in the next season, Ron Newhook, scores his 26th goal of the year, and this game is tied and then 25 seconds later, Sean Venadam scores for the Wolves, and the Wolves go ahead six to five. So from the 1501 mark to the 1601 mark, the Sudbury Wolves scored four times and turned a 5-2 deficit into a 6-5 lead. Jim Cressman, was covering the London nights for the London Free Press. And immediately he ran back to the back of the press box because in those days, that's where the record books were kept. There was no internet to check. So he went and he grabbed the CHL record books. See, there were OHL record books. And then there was this big one. And it was the CHL record book. It was taller than the other books. It was wider than the other books. And he picked it up. And he started flipping through the pages, searching to see if this was a record. And he flipped and he flipped and he flipped and he found fastest goals. And he's looking down the page and it says fastest two goals. And it says fastest three goals. And that's where it stops. Kyle, no one had ever bothered to record fastest four goals in a game because it, it wasn't anything. It Why would you record fastest four goals in a minute and... 59 seconds fastest four goals in four minutes and 23 seconds so what no one had ever scored four goals
0: in a minute but it happened that night that is it is that is about as remarkable a stat the fact that one no one ever bothered to record it or two it happened in a game in a season where the knights up to that point had only won twice and with just over six minutes left, had a three goal lead with a potential chance at winning their third game. It just it goes to show when going back in history, you know, it's they're completely different teams, but sometimes it doesn't matter where the players change. There just is this, this rivalry. There's something between two teams where it just so happens between the London Knights and the Sudbury Wolves, bunches of goals are probably going to be a theme that night. Definitely.
1: And you know what? They were a theme on Saturday and it was the Knights who had the
0: majority of the bunches and the Knights get the win. And it was, and you know what? It was, it's a good win too. It was a game where there were multiple lead changes. Um, You know, the Knights really did a great job locking things down defensively and closing things out. You know, the Knights were up five, three, they surrendered one goal from Sudbury to get them back to within five, four, but they hung on. They, they were blocking as a team. They were clearing the puck as a team. And that's, That's what you love to see. And we also saw, you know, we're really starting to see the growth of a couple of of, of sophomore players on this team, which is always what you want within a, a developing team and organization. Jackson Edward, who we mentioned earlier, scored his first career Ontario Hockey League on Friday, then doubled it up on Saturday, scoring his second. And another guy is Ben Bujold, who I just feel like is getting more and more confidence with not just carrying the puck, Mike, but the decision-making and finishing around the net, we saw him score a goal back on Friday night uh, against North Bay. It's a shorthanded goal. He takes an area pass from Brody Crane, who knows that Ben Bujol is going to win this foot race. And instead of driving the net and just trying to shovel a puck on, he picks his head up. He pulls the puck in, he drags the goaltender from right to left, and he chips it over the blocking arm. And I just, I do not think that was in his arsenal last year, which is something that is really great to see from him as he develops with the London Knights. Absolutely. And Ben Bajol is
1: somebody who lives by an adage that we always hear in sports, but it's one that stays true and stays around because it is so accurate. And that is defense will get you offense. Here's Ben talking about that very thing.
2: You've heard the saying, defense needs to get offense. So I preach that. And I think if you do all, all the little things in the D zone, it'll come. And I was lucky enough to catch a break. The guy's stick broke and Cowan picked it up. And I, I got a break there. So it was a good play by Cowan to give it to me air.
1: You go flying down the
2: ice. Did you have in your head what you were going to do as you got into their zone? Uh, I seen his blocker a little bit low, so I had a feeling like I could have been the spot, and I tried it worked, the work. So.
1: so it's not as easy as just chipping it over a blocker, because if we were to go back and break it down, you drop your shoulder a little bit. You, throwing a fake like that, it, how do you know what to do to make it look like you're going to do something you're not going to do? And then you go back and do something else.
2: Yeah, I know. I, I kind of just see what the goalie's doing, where he's at. And if you throw him a little fake and he kind of bites on it, then, you know, you got to chip it up there. because he's going down. So that was my thought process, and luckily it worked out.
1: Three games and three nights. What's the key to being ready for this? I mean, are you guys feeling drained, or are you in good enough shape that you say, no, four
2: and four, five and five, bring it on? Yeah, I think everyone feels a little drained after three and three. So, yeah, I'm feeling, I think a couple of guys are, but... We're, we're ready to go today, Coming after a loss, and we're fired up, and we're going to keep it simple, but our legs might not be there as much as other games, but we'll be good. Always means your head has to be there just a little bit more then, right? Yeah, everything feels a little bit more tired, so that's where the head needs to come into play a bit more. And on Saturday
1: night, Ben Bajol and Abakar Kazbekov and Landon Sim were playing together and probably deserved a goal for the way that they were playing. Our good buddy Captain Stinkpants wanted the hungriest night of the game to be Abakar Kazbekov for the way that he was playing Landon Sims, same sort of thing, winning board battles, Ben Bajol doing that as well. And, the number of things that that trio and that certainly Ben Bejol and Landon Sim do that don't show up on the stat sheet but help you win. Landon Sim oftentimes points to Robert Thomas, that he sees Robert Thomas as a guy whose game he wants to try to emulate. And Robert Thomas may have been one of the best in Knight's history at doing the little things that help you win. And it is a board battle. It is being in the right place when someone pinches. To go back to the Toronto Maple Leafs, they had a miscommunication on a goal against the Anaheim Ducks where a forward did not cover for a defenseman moving deep into the zone. Next thing you know, there's a breakaway and the Anaheim Ducks score. So that sort of thing is the kind of thing that Landon Sim does, kind of thing Ben Bajol does. And they they make themselves big time players, even when they're not putting up points. And then and then they show off the ability to put up points. And you've got a player that is a lot like a Robert Thomas. And I really believe those things are coming for those two players offensively. And Ben Bajol, I mean, look, Kyle, look at the way, he, like you say, he dropped his shoulder, the, the deke that he put on, the instinctive thing. He even talked about it, the instinctive thing that he did
0: to score. Uh, and I just it it's it's there. It's just a matter of being able to put it all together and putting it on the ice. And I like the Robert Thomas comparison because he is a guy who's known as a very good two way player. He's physical. He does the little things right. And I think the points just come after. I mean, you look at Robert Thomas's career in the National Hockey League, 66 games with the with the St. Louis Blues. He had 42 points the year prior, 70 games, 33 points. And then all of a sudden last year breaks out 72 games, 20 goals, 57 assists, 77 points. But it took his first three years of doing the little things to where now he's that point-per-game player that still does all the little things right. The offense is just there on top of it. And I really believe that that's
1: what will happen for a Landon Sim, for a Ben Bajol. Their best offensive season, and it's, and it's easy to say, will be when they're nineteen. Of course, that is the way that a lot of junior hockey players' careers work. You hit Career marks year after year after year, but I really believe that will happen for these guys because of this attention to detail, and that they will have that opportunity to put up more points, but at the same time not lose what they bring in doing the things that don't show up on the stat sheet. And then you look at Jackson Edward, if he's a guy who can contribute, Kyle. We've talked about offense from defense. One of the names we mentioned, we mentioned Logan Mayu. The Knights are already getting that. We mentioned Isaiah George. Hopefully, he is back in the lineup sometime soon because he will be able to add to the offensive component of his game. And then we talk about Sam Dickinson, who is among the leaders in rookie scorers right now. And he's a defenseman. And so far, it's been him and Andrew Gibson at the top in rookie scoring. And Andrew Gibson. Is older. So Sam Dickinson as a 16 year old is kind of on an island for how much offense he is putting up as a defenseman, but we don't mention a player like Oliver Bonk or Jackson Edward and those guys contribute offense and. You know, if if that's how deep you're going with offense from defense, then that, again, is going to keep a defense stretched out in their own zone. Look at where the two Jackson Edward goals came from. Almost the exact same spot from just inside the point. He was able to get pucks through. And what kind of shot did he use? A wrist shot and the willingness to use a wrist shot, that's big. A guy who is 18 years old is going to learn that. I don't have to hammer it through everybody all the time. I'm going to find a spot and I'm going to
0: put it through and it might just go in the net. And it did twice. Well, and we've seen that a lot from Sam Dickinson as well, especially, you know, after his first career goal in that same game. Uh, back earlier in the season, just getting a puck on net that was deflected in by Denver Barkey, and just the willingness to, you know, use the wrist shot, and it's not necessarily trying to hammer it home every single time, but just getting it through and getting yourself an opportunity to maybe get a deflection or be a screen goaltender is really big. But you talk about the the offense from the back end. Just for an example here, Mike, Saturday night the Knights had five goals. Four of the five goals, there was a defenseman involved in the scoring play. George Diaco from Oliver Bonk and Logan Mayu. Sam Dickinson from Jackson Edward on the power play. Jackson Edward scoring a goal later on. And then Ethan McKinnon scoring a goal from Matthew Paris. So there, there is a lot of offense coming from the back end. And it's being distributed to a lot of different guys, which is really nice to see. And this is going
1: to the coaching staff as well. And I haven't talked to them about this but I'm I'm willing to bet if we can get them to admit to it, that's hard. But if we can get them to admit to it, it's another case of a coaching staff looking at the players that they have and seeing, okay, here's what we can do. And maybe giving that green light to defensemen to shoot more. This is not about get the puck at the point and put it in the corner so that we win the board battle and our forwards create the offense. This is about okay, we have the ability to either hammer a shot through like Logan Mayu can or, or make use of his offensive instincts. And again, Isaiah George has very similar instincts. This is about if you get an opportunity to shoot, you do it. So it's it's not saying, here's my system, fit in it. It's about saying, who do we have? Let's work something around these guys that is going to create that offense, that is going to create those chances to score. And that's what we're seeing.
0: It's funny now, the defense is playing so good. When Isaiah George does eventually come back, you're going to look at this lineup and be like, well, who do we take out? They're all playing so well right now. But it's it's a great problem to have for the London Knights, and they are definitely trending in the right direction. They have got games this coming weekend on Friday and Saturday. We will talk a little bit more in-depth about those games uh, on the next episode of Night Shift as we conclude this past weekend. And get you set for another one of fun London Knights hockey appreciate you listening as always we mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast mike uh we are on spotify we are on apple podcast now so you can stream it on multiple services wherever you get your podcasts online at Stubbs 980 with two b's at kyle grimard g-r-i-m-a-r-d on twitter uh mike anything else to add or are we wrapping it up today I think we'll wrap it up
1: here, and I can't wait to preview the weekend because that Erie Otters team, when we started the year, you would think, okay, the Midwest Division, on paper, Kitchener looks good. Owen Sound looks very good. Guelph looks good. And the London Knights look good. If there's going to be somebody who is in tough against those teams – It's probably going to be eerie because they traded Connor Lockhart to Peterborough and they just seemed like they were still trying to build around a younger core. I don't know. This team is finding ways to win and they're looking good doing it. They're scoring an awful lot of goals, so I can't wait to talk about them and then a matchup against Owen Sound. Own sound is a dangerous, dangerous team. I still think they're going to finish at the top of the conference when all is said and done. And the Knights go back into the bay Shore, home of the Bay Shore bounce on a Saturday night. The fans pile in. It's a tough atmosphere to play in. Can't wait to set those two games up.
0: It'll be a little bit of redemption coming off of an earlier loss there with a, a seven to two final. They will definitely look to for a better outcome there. Thank you for listening. We'll be back later on in the week. That is it for episode eight of Night Shift. Take care.